Hi everyone, welcome back to the 21 and Sensory podcast with me, Emily. On today's episode, I have the lovely Fiona Hollings. Fee is 25 years old and is currently a psychology student in her third year. You might know and potentially follow Fee on platforms such as TikTok, Instagram or YouTube, but we will chat all about that in a bit. Um, So Fee, would you like to say hello? Hello, thank you for having me. (laughs) No worries, it's great um, to have you on. Let's jump right in and maybe you could discuss a little bit about maybe your life now and we could chat about your diagnosis maybe? Yeah, so um, my life right now, um, as you just said, I'm in uni, so I'm actually doing my third year of my psychology degree, which is quite full on. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also in recovery from anorexia, um, so I had uh, a bit of a, a nasty relapse last year um, and spent a bit of time in hospital, so I've um, my life at the moment is currently balancing a degree and recovery, which... Um, is a little bit challenging sometimes mm-hmm. um but yeah I've also got my dog and I like to take him on walks and things like that so yeah oh dogs are great <laughs> yeah. I'm obsessed yeah. with dogs um, <laughs> that sounds like uni is a lot anyway yeah. Yeah. but trying to manage I mean even uni and like mental health is really difficult so let alone you know struggling with anorexia at the same time is it quite hard to juggle that and like focus on your studies but also like really focus on yourself because you know you want to make yourself better as well yeah and I think it's something that um is taking a lot of time to work out a balance Mm -hmm. um I certainly think in sort of my second year um I ended up having to defer my year last year I should have done my third year last year and I had to defer and I think um I lost that balance between where recovery was and where my sort of everything the life was Mm. um and something I'm really having to focus on this year is making sure that I do set aside enough time for like recovery focused things and keeping that as my priority um Mm. someone said to me a few years ago and it's always stuck with me that anything you put before your recovery you can lose and um for me that sort of describes kind of my life right now where every time sort of life gets quite big and overwhelming I have to take a step back and think actually I need to focus on my mental health and my recovery because I kind of risk losing everything if I don't put that first um so yeah Mm -hmm. third year psychology degree is a lot of work recovery is a lot of work so yeah yeah (laughs) like it's Um, like uni is stressful anyway (laughs) yeah it's it's I I absolutely love it I I love my degree um and that's also something almost to balance because I know that it's really good for me to be there and to be learning um Mm -hmm. but managing those energy levels is um sometimes a bit bit difficult I bet and do you know what you might always a big question to any student but do you know what you want to um maybe do kind of like after that kind of like yeah do you want to stay in education or are you looking like more towards I know we'll probably talk about it a little bit later like the opportunities you've had because of your like social media and stuff but in terms of like jobs and stuff do you know what you want to do <laughs> yeah um I I want to go into research actually um in the field of um anorexia and autism okay um so looking at doing a PhD or something in that area mm-hmm. um I think I kind of my experience of it all I kind of I know that um 
it's not understood enough. And I think the more research we can do, the better we understand it, the better we can help people. Um, that's also where my job is at the moment in that field. So it's definitely like my area of interest. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, I definitely want to go into research at the moment. Um, or okay. yeah, definitely stay in the learning academia side of things. Yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. I think I might come back to that. Um, you mentioned about autism and it'd be interesting to touch upon that and you know if you have a formal diagnosis if you're self-diagnosed that kind of sort of thing and mm -hmm. like the process to getting yeah. that diagnosis as well would be interesting yeah, yeah I mean I'm I've got a formal diagnosis um I got mm -hmm. it earlier this year but um obviously the waiting list is quite long so actually it was first picked up quite a few years ago but I've just been I mean the waiting list was long and then Covid happened which elongated the wait, waiting list yeah. um so for sort of me like my close family and friends um I think as soon as we realized that there was quite a high chance that I was autistic we just made adaptations as if I was um okay. so when I got my sort of formal diagnosis earlier this year it kind of it was weird because it felt like this massive thing happened but not actually a lot changed mm -hmm. um which was kind of nice in a way and sort of my nurse at the time sort of said well you've always been autistic so nothing really changes like you don't change um we just sort of we have it on pen and paper now um mm -hmm. so so yeah it's a it's definitely a, a difficult process getting a diagnosis I think maybe I kind of would have wanted to know that a bit earlier um mm -hmm. but equally it's something that I, I don't I don't regret going through the process I think it's helped quite a lot mm -hmm. that's good and have you found like you kind of I, I don't know like I, I had this where I almost like reassessed my whole life up until that point and yeah. like childhood stuff you're like oh that's why I was maybe yeah. like that or did things like that have you kind of found that since like diagnosis at all yeah I, I think especially when it was sort of first brought up and I sort of I guess I didn't really understand autism um and I'd never you know you have a stereotype in your head of what autism must be like mm -hmm. and then sort of when it was first brought up that kind of oh like you know I might be autistic and I started I started reading about it and understanding different experiences of autism and it kept on coming up with all these things that were like oh and this was autism and I was like but I've done that my whole life like yeah I, I guess I've always felt like things weren't normal and I knew that you know I knew I compensated a lot for things I was doing and I was constantly burning myself out and I constantly didn't understand things and actually only when I sort of started understanding that it was all autism that everything it sort of slotted into place it sort of made a lot of sense and that was very I, I don't know if you found this but it was very sort of um relieving in a way sort of like oh I don't need to give myself such a hard time about this yeah um but it, it also gave me that passion to be like I know that other people are going through this and they don't know that they're autistic and and it can help so much just having mm -hmm. that understanding I guess and I mm -hmm. think that's why that's why I talk about what I'm going through. It's why I talk. It's why I do the job that I do because the better we understand it, the better we can help people, and that's mm -hmm. really important to me. And I think, uh, kind of coming back to how autism and anorexia kind of play into each other, I think mm -hmm. a lot of people don't realise that it is quite a um, like comorbid mm -hmm. condition. Oh, yeah. 
And I don't know whether maybe you want to talk about how maybe recovery is, is different for autistic people with anorexia. I think maybe treatment isn't different but should be different kind of thing yeah I don't know if you want to talk about that yeah I I I certainly know that the prevalence of autism in anorexia is very very high so a lot of people who do have anorexia are discover that they're autistic um Mm. so there's definitely something overlapping there um I think for me my anorexia acted as a way for me to cope in a world that I didn't understand Mm -hmm. um I sort of when I talk about it I sort of say you know I it was a way for me to cope in a neurotypical world that just it's just not set up for people who are neurodiverse and it can be exhausting and difficult and confusing Mm -hmm. and um and for me sort of my recovery has been about trying to understand where I fit into that world and how to actually allow myself to not try and fold myself into a little hole that I don't fit in and actually be like okay this is this is just me mm-hmm. um and I think you know thinking about like specifically my eating disorder treatment there's definitely accommodations that are made where I guess people or treatment understands that um I there are some things that are my autism and therefore they're not going to change like for example like I've I've never eaten a huge variety of food I find that very very stressful um spontaneity in me don't really mix (laughs) I need Mm -hmm. a plan I need to know what's happening and therefore you know my treatment plan isn't high on you need to go out to a cafe and pick something off the shelf and do all that kind of stuff I I find that so stressful and actually it becomes detrimental to me Um, Mm -hmm. you know there's less pressure working with a variety of food because I've never eaten a huge variety of food so to expect that in my recovery it just it just wasn't going to work Um, Mm -hmm. And and also just understanding that my recovered life isn't going to be the same as in neurotypicals. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of, I will always need a plan. That's the way I've always functioned and that's the way I feel safe. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, we can plan spontaneous things in, but that's probably about as far as I'll go. And actually yeah. learning to be okay with that. And actually that's, that's okay. That's just me. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting, Like just to hear how it's different for you but it really works for you and that's that's the way you know your brain is and that's what it needs and if that's how you recover and that's how you're you're happier in yourself then that's great yeah and and I certainly I talk about flexibility in treatment styles and I, I think it's so important because I I think for me when I didn't have my autism recognized and I was in treatment, there's very much this idea that the way you're thinking is wrong and we need to correct it because sort of it's all blamed on the eating disorder. And mm-hmm. I always found that really difficult because I was sort of like, but I've, I've always been like this. <laughs> I've, I've always needed a plan and to need, need to know what's coming and everything like that. And, and I found it really difficult when they said, Oh no, you're, you're, you're rigid in thinking therefore we need to we need to change that with therapy and and I was sort of it it never worked and for me that made me feel like I was broken that made me feel like oh I can't even get recovery right like I I can't do anything right and even when I got to a recovered place I, I I've despite having my diagnosis for a long time I have been at places of remission with my anorexia and then I've 
unfortunately relapse but I have experienced sort of life after it um mm. where you know it was not nearly as prevalent in my life um and all these things that everyone told me would just disappear when I got recovered they didn't disappear mm-hmm. um in fact they were still there and I did I, I felt like I failed treatment I felt like I failed recovery um and I think realizing that actually a lot of that was autism um and wasn't to yeah. do with wasn't to do with my eating disorder or anything like that it just it allowed I guess an element of like self-compassion in a way where I sort of like actually no I just this is just me um and also my family as well so my parents are sort of like well I don't know why we ever expected you to suddenly become someone else yeah um and I think since we've all just sort of gone well it's because I'm autistic and obviously not everything is autism like that I am in recovery and I know that there's things I'm working on um and I think that that can be quite difficult to try and draw that line you know what's the autism what's the anorexia but I do feel like I'm much more aware of where that line is now um Mm -hmm. but just that sort of understanding that you know I need I work with my autism to overcome my anorexia rather than just trying to kind of in my head go at it in a chaotic way that ended up with me burning out every single time mm-hmm. and do you find at all that like you were almost like sometimes comparing yourself to people going through recovery who didn't have the added autism as well like do you, do you find that you were kind of envious of it at all the fact that they just had anorexia at all or was that like not really something that you kind of came across I think I think when I didn't realize I was autistic um Mm. there was a humongous frustration sort of like why isn't it working like that for me you know I was doing all the right things and I wanted to be in a better place and I wanted to live this life that I wanted to lead and yet I was finding things difficult um Mm. and I guess I was yeah trying to be like people who didn't have the same brain makeup as me you know they people who wanted to go out partying in clubs and I, I thought that that's what I wanted to, if we know if I got better for my anorexia I thought that that's what I would want to do um, mm. because that's what everyone did and I didn't I hated it it was very loud and very overstimulating and um, and I thought that there was just something wrong with me and I got so frustrated and I, I I'm better at it now in sort of saying right okay you know that there's differences and I think that anyway I think whether you're neurodiverse or neurotypical, there's always going to be differences in in your recovery and in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think when you battle something like anorexia, it's so it's so sort of lonely and difficult and exhausting. You can't help but look at other people and go, oh, I just want that. And mm-hmm. I think that's something that I've always managed to keep is actually. I so badly do want to get better. Like I do want a life out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, I always thought, well, if I know what I want, why can't I just do it? And yeah. I think that's, that's the crux of the illness. It's, it's just not a choice. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter how much you want it. You still have to go through the process. Um, yeah. And the process is difficult. And I think that's where you kind of, you need to learn your strengths and your, um, places you need to maybe look out for Mm -hmm. and try and accommodate those to kind of get into the best place you possibly can 
Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you're doing that if, you know, you know you like a plan, you know that you yeah. like to know what's coming and you're making like recovery work for you more like individually yeah definitely I'm, I'm really lucky in that I've got an absolutely fantastic nurse who works very flexibly with me um, he's very understanding of autism and always has been since I started working with him even though I didn't have my official diagnosis then he was sort of like well you know it's suspected and I don't see any reason why we don't adapt treatment for it okay. um, and and yeah certainly learning to use the strengths of my autism to overcome my anorexia like we we make a plan each week of exactly what's going to happen in the week that's coming up and it it makes me feel secure safe and in doing that it helps me move away from the anorexia which I felt gave me a sense of you know familiarity and safety Mm -hmm. um and so it's it's helping me move forwards Mm -hmm. that's great that's really good to hear and the fact that your nurse was so on board from the start like well you know if yeah if you think this is a thing then let's you know let's work with it kind of thing That's yeah nice to hear. oh it was and it was so at that point you know my referral had been in for a long time um but obviously there was just no um it was a very very long waiting list um but mm-hmm. I think he sort of thought he was also highly suspect that I was um autistic and mm-hmm. and I, I sort of come back to you know because we spoke about like the official autism diagnosis and what it meant um a few years ago and we we half looked at going private and then it was just it's far too expensive um yeah but we sort of spoke about what I'd get from a diagnosis and we sort of all agreed that actually what I'd get is clarity and understanding and so we just sort of went with the idea that if that's what I'd get from it, then why don't we just adapt it? Like, why don't we just assume that that's what's going, that's what's going on? And when mm. you eventually get the assessment, at the end of the day, you're presenting with all of these sort of autistic traits. So why don't we just help you with them? Like help you live the best life you can, you want to with those traits. Mm. Um, and and uh, I kind of, I say like autism isn't bad. It's just different. Yeah. You know, I kind of, there are things I find more difficult, like sensory things and social things, but there's also things that I find far easier than other people. So I don't, you know, it's just, it is that understanding. So it was mm-hmm. really helpful when sort of, I guess people close to me just sort of went, oh, okay, if you're autistic, you're autistic. And mm-hmm. yeah. That's great. That's like the fact that you were like, you know, why, why wait like why don't we just start adapting things like yeah. right now makes yeah. so much sense but I guess it's kind of hard because you kind of feel like oh I don't know for sure but then like you say like if you're displaying all these traits and you're really struggling it's like well you might as well give it a go and if it helps then you'll kind of even know even yeah. more yeah and I do think I sort of I think people can get quite hung up about a diagnosis um and like don't get me wrong I know that it has a place but, you know, whether or not I had a diagnosis of, or not, I know that I'm very sensitive to sensory inputs and I know that I find social situations very difficult. So all what I need to do is adapt to that. I need to find a way to for me to feel like I'm managing that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and therefore, it doesn't really matter whether that has a name or not. Um, those issues are there and I want to work on them. Mm-hmm. Um 
so I, I kind of, especially in my job, we kind of, we talk about autism or possible autism a lot because the waiting list is so long and actually we shouldn't wait for a diagnosis to change things for a young person if that's what's going to help them. And I yeah. kind of, I agree with that. Like if it's going to help someone, why not change it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you might as well like give it a go. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and um, you mentioned um, like a couple of times about like sensory issues and obviously those can be quite a big um, thing when it comes to being autistic. Do you find that that kind of overlaps into um, like being anorexic as well? Do you struggle in terms of, you know, obviously you might have the sensory issues to do with being autistic, but also maybe food wise as well. Things like, you know, textures of food and things like that. Do you find that do you find it's a lot to manage? <laughs> yeah. And actually, since, you know, we we've done a lot of work on working out what is the autism and what is the anorexia yeah. and um, we sort of noticed that there's a lot of um, sensory issues that led me to I guess coping with the anorexia or probably not say that probably more it led to the development of the anorexia so I, I've always been mm-hmm. quite sensitive with food textures um, strong smells foods mixing and all that kind of stuff um mm-hmm. and I, I've I've always eaten quite a limited variety of food I sort of I don't think I ate a sandwich until I was 16 years old I just ate pasta 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 okay. pasta pasta my mum used to just say like you just run on pasta and I did um <laughs> and and I think it became very difficult when sort of the anorexia I did develop anorexia and um almost I dropped more food like variety if that makes sense um Mm -hmm. which is why sort of in my recovery we're we're sort of looking focusing on re-establishing I guess what it was like pre-eating disorder um but not not just like specifically the food I also think the environment really affects me um like sensory environment so I find loud cafes with lots of people in them I find that really difficult to eat and something that I found quite difficult when I was at school was the school canteen because mm-hmm. it was very loud very bright and there's people there then you're also navigating that social situation yeah. um, and it's something that I guess we're quite acutely aware of now um, so when I am eating at home we keep the we keep the room as calm as possible um, I usually sit there with my puzzle books and that's kind of, that works for me. always have smooth radio on and things like that. Um, nice. <laughs> so it's kind of, it's not like, this is what I think sort of my autism diagnosis has given me. It's just given me an understanding that actually I just need to adapt to help myself better in those situations. And, you know, mm-hmm. that situation is something I find difficult. I find eating difficult. I find the situation that I'm eating in can be difficult so it's just finding ways to make that yeah more manageable mm. gosh it's it, it's so interesting to hear because like you say like there's so much overlap but then also you kind of you want to know what's what like what yeah what you know what is due to this and what's due to this but like yeah I feel like you know being autistic like a lot of autistic people have like safe foods and they have quite limited maybe diet or a limited amount of food that they stick to but then you have this whole other kind of level of you know the anorexia and you know a limited diet anyway because of your autism and that just sounds like so much to like 
to manage and the overlap is just so so much yeah and and I think it can be I think um I think especially for me my experience of my anorexia is it can be quite sort of drastic like I can kind of be doing okay and then suddenly a month later I can be in a really really dangerous place Mm -hmm. um so my recovery certainly this time around has been about really cementing in sort of the foundations really really like solidly so Mm -hmm. that there's less like um space to move backwards if that makes sense I think in Mm -hmm. the past I've kind of gone at it too quickly maybe because I I just wanted I just wanted to get better and I just but didn't understand or maybe make enough accommodation for the fact that my autism side of me might find that a bit difficult um but yeah I think um it it can be difficult and my nurse sort of says at the moment he's like every time I think it's an eating disorder thing with you it turns out to be an autism thing and every time I think it's an (laughs) autism thing with you it turns out to be an eating disorder thing and I'm sort of like yeah (laughs) just like sorry (laughs) yeah he's sort of like I, I I every time I think I've got you something I don't and I'm like yeah but I I don't know is that not just the individualness of everyone you know and and I kind of go back to it doesn't necessarily always matter that I know which one it is what matters is you know is it causing me to not live the life I want to live is Mm -hmm. it causing me sort of distress and discomfort um and sort of the way we we approach treatment now is actually it's 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 non-negotiable that I'll get better you know it's non-negotiable that I will continue to weight restore um that I need to have enough food but actually the flexibility comes in what that type of food is and actually Mm -hmm. if it's a less varied meal plan but I'm having enough actually that's okay because actually that's that's what's going to be sustainable for me because that's yeah. what I was like pre-eating disorder mm-hmm. and I, I have to say that approach is working so that's yeah okay that's good that's good to hear and how it'd be interesting because I know you've mentioned about your job and also mm-hmm. like maybe opportunities from social media maybe we could chat a bit more about that like when did you start to kind of use your experience and share your own experiences um I guess what was social media or with my job? Um, let's, let's maybe start with your job first and then we'll do social media. I get that they're, <laughs> they're probably two different things. Um, so with my job, um, I got my job, it was about this time last year, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I actually work for, um, I don't know if you've heard of Peace, which is Pathways um, for people with eating disorders and autism through clinical experience oh, okay. um, so they specialize in people who are autistic and in recovery from an eating disorder or experiencing an eating disorder and um, it's really exciting actually because we are we are rolling it out in cams for the first time so oh, we are working around my local area in the three counties around us um at rolling out what they've already done in the Maudsley in London. So they did mm-hmm. the Peace Project, Peace Pathways there. Um, so we're now doing it in sort of around where I live. And yeah, it's sort of looking at, um, I guess, um, 
educating or um, adapting treatment for people who are autistic, making it autism friendly, mm-hmm. um, making reasonable adjustments, sort of explaining to people who work there what those reasonable adjustments can be and how much of a difference they can make. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's really exciting. It's really obviously it's something that is very um, relevant to me and everything yeah. that I've been through and I'm going through. Um, and it, I, abs- I I love it because I, I believe in it. I, I know how much of a difference it can make. Um, and I sort of, every time I sort of end up talking about my experience or something like that, I can't help but think like all the things they're doing now to make eating disorder services autism friendly, mm-hmm. how much of a difference it would have made if if I had had that. And, and I'm not, I'm not someone that's angry about that. Like at the end of the day, like we didn't pick up on it until I was older and I'm not going to change that. And, you know, it's, it's fine in that respect. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that's where I get a lot of, um, it it means a lot to me that I can help, I guess, someone else that might be in a similar situation. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you're kind of using your experience and, okay, there were some ne- like negative aspects in the fact that you're, you know, late diagnosed and stuff, mm. but the fact that you're using it for good and you're using it to help, you know, future generations just yeah. to actually get that help way quicker is, yeah. it must be something you and I'm sure your family are very proud of. Yeah, yeah. I think um, my mum always says, you didn't go through all this for nothing. And yeah. And whilst I sort of, I don't, you know if I could change it all around I probably would I wouldn't I wouldn't wish this on anyone as in Mm. the anorexia I you know I'm autistic and I don't mind that I'm autistic but the anorexia yeah it it's been a really really difficult time um but it's happened and I'm sort of me and my family are very much people who are kind of like okay let's look forwards like what can we do about it um and I, I guess I, I get that from my parents a little bit as well. They're very proactive. They help out. Uh, certainly my dad helps um, in Beat, the Insor charity and, and things like that. So we're all very much, you know, we've been through something. And mm-hmm. I think it, it helps me move forwards to sort of, I guess, yeah, be able to, I don't know simply by sharing my experience help someone else like that Mm -hmm. that feels really yeah like it is I can get something from what's been a really horrible time Mm -hmm. and I know you've done like more recently you've done like quite a big like talk about autism and anorexia is yeah number one was that scary (laughs) and number two (laughs) like how how do you like how do you find going from kind of you know uh, talking about it in your job to talking about it to you know what was it like 500 people or something it was 550 people on this talk yeah um <laughs> <laughs> yes it was scary um we found out probably a couple of minutes before we went on that there was that many people so we're like oh, oh my gosh <laughs> um that said I think yeah I think it's something that I'm so passionate about so there was part of me that was like yeah I want to talk about this like I want Mm -hmm. people to better understand it and yeah it it, it was scary um (laughs) but equally I know that well 
people have told me that me just talking about what I've been through and what I'm going through helps. Um, and I sort of think about all those times that I was in that really dark place. I just didn't understand what was going on. And actually all I wanted was, I guess, to know that someone was there that understood. And I think if me talking about it helps someone else because they're like, oh, I'm not alone in this. Like <laughs> that's, that means the world to me. And I, you know, I, mean, I get messages and they're sort of like saying that I helped by, I don't know, saying something. And I'm just yeah. like that, you know, that that's enough for me. If I can help just one other person not feel alone in what can be a very, very lonely place, then that 100% is, yeah. That's huge. Like, and have you found if maybe we, we segue into that, like kind of talking from that to like your social media have you found that maybe as that's picked up you've had more and more people reach out kind of messaging you stuff like that maybe we could chat about how how you started like Mm -hmm. when did you start the social media I mean I've had it for a little while um I kind of Mm -hmm. I've got quite a, a long history I guess um as in with like me being unwell and I did have like quite a few followers when I was um um I guess a few years ago mm-hmm. um not that many but you know sort of 3000 ish mm-hmm. um and I think that was just because I'd met quite a few people whilst I was in hospital like I just I don't know just met a lot of people mm-hmm. um and I think I think in the sort of like past five to six years I have started talking about my mental health more and being more open about things and um I guess I, I I reached a point where I was like, I don't know why I'm trying to cover it up. Like, I don't know why I am not talking about something I'm going through. Mm-hmm. And sort of, I think the way they talk about mental health, whenever I sort of, but I, I don't want people to know and things like that. And sort of like, if you had cancer, there's no difference. You've got an illness, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I started talking about my mental health and, and then when I had sort of that quite nasty relapse last year and I was in hospital and I was um, in a really horrible place and I kind of, I was desperately trying to pick myself out of it. Like I just, I wanted to feel better. Mm-hmm. And um, I was supposed to go to a specialist unit. Um, I didn't want to. <laughs> um, I wanted I wanted to go home. Mm-hmm. And um but I was in hospital by myself the whole time and and it's I found it very difficult, I guess, to hold myself accountable for what I was eating and what I was doing. And um and I was I watched loads of people with their recovery journeys and it helped me so, so much. And so I, was, I don't know, I spoke to my parents, I spoke to my best friends, and they were like, Why didn't you why didn't you start? YouTube you know why don't you start doing that kind of stuff and I did and I got I still don't really understand why but I got a lot of followers um and I guess in the last year obviously a lot's changed um you know I managed to really progress in my recovery and and yeah I do I get I get messages every day and they always make me smile people sort of saying that 
they've seen me just keep on going with things and I guess that's kind of one of my things is I'm just like I just keep on going like it doesn't matter if it's a good day or bad day or whatever you just got to keep on going and I guess in the last year there's there's been so much that's happened um there's been so many sort of ups and downs near misses of readmissions and all that kind of stuff and and I've just kept on going and I think I think well people have said that that's helped um Mm -hmm. and and yeah I guess it goes back to if if it can help just one other person then then that does mean the world for me so Mm -hmm. yeah and it's so interesting like you saying like you were in hospital and you were like you know watching TikToks and things like that and I do think it is all about finding that sense of community because I can imagine being in hospital it's very isolating you know even just being autistic it can be really isolating because it's hard to find autistic people in real life like (laughs) apart from through like support groups and stuff but online it's just so much easier and everyone just like gets what you're talking about and yeah it's so important to find the people who that get you in life and if you can get that through you know social media I think that's that's like a really good way of you know making friends and maybe meeting them in real life I think it is I think there's like especially when I was in hospital last year um I would have been by myself in a room by myself for probably 20 hours out of 24 hours a day and I just I think I I have a bit of a grudge about the fact that everyone says social media is so bad because mm. for me it's helped me so much over the years like mm-hmm. especially when I was a bit younger I was sent to a hospital in Scotland and I was there for two years and actually social media helped me stay in touch with people in my life it helped me not completely feel like I was forgotten about I guess because I could still find out what my friends are up to and what my family are up to and all that kind of stuff and I think exactly as you said like I think when you're autistic it can be so it can be so isolating sometimes where you're just like I don't know like why 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 doesn't someone else understand like they do understand but sometimes you just want I don't know I love following those um the information type Instagram pages which is about autism Mm -hmm. and it's very much sort of um you know this is what this feels like and I sort of like yeah it explains it like it it helps me Mm -hmm. um and I guess also seeing other people recover and go through their recovery and I don't know it it brings back the normality of what I'm going through and the good days and the bad days and getting there and not getting there and and sort of riding the waves as they come so to speak obviously your your social media following has has grown quite a lot I think like you have over 500k followers on TikTok is that right yeah um yeah how do you manage the not so nice side of people commenting people's opinion despite the fact that they've only seen a 30 second video of you and think they know you like how do you how do you protect yourself online is my question um so I to be honest I guess it's a bit of a mindset thing I yeah I kind of come from this idea that in life you have time and what you choose to do with that time is your choice if you choose to create a nasty message to send that's your time that you're never going to get back yeah quite frankly it's like what 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 someone says 
for 10 seconds of their life to me like I get so many positive comments if there's one negative one I'm kind of like well that's time in your life you're not going to get back because you've mm-hmm. had you you felt the need to go away construct that message and send it to me mm-hmm. and actually wow if I'm that important in your life that you're going to spend your time doing that then I don't know that that's kind of my you know there's always going to be one there's always yeah. going to be someone that has to say something <laughs> and actually I kind of have a bit of a thing where I'm like if you're going to say something that you know is going to be horrible I will just block it I'll just block mm-hmm. block you because I'm kind of like I'm not I don't need to deal with yeah. that life's too short um, but it but it is though yeah. you know that's ti- that's time you're not going to get back you're mm-hmm. spending your time sending a nasty comment and actually well, I'm going to keep on living my life you know mm-hmm. it's kind of <laughs> that's my sort of approach to it anyway um I think generally I people are lovely they are so lovely yeah. they're so supportive and it's gotten me through an extremely difficult time in my life mm-hmm. um and I guess I I feel like a lot of people have supported me through an extremely difficult time they've sort of held me when I needed to be held and believed in mm-hmm. me when I didn't believe in myself and I'm approaching a place where I'm doing better and actually I guess now I feel like I can give back to people who are also going through a difficult time, be that replying to a message or posting how things are going. Um, and it's funny because the message I tend to get a lot, which does mean a lot to me, but they say, thank you for being honest. And I think I think maybe that's where I've found things difficult in the past is you see someone's recovery and it looks perfect and you know everything just gets better and Mm -hmm. I think the reality is life happens things happen um and and it's not all well I managed to decide I wanted to get better again and we all just (laughs) sailed off into the sunset kind of thing yeah (laughs) um you know it's just it's just not like that but Mm -hmm. I think that's where I kind of yeah, I just try to remain honest. This is what's mm-hmm. going on. And and actually in doing that, I know that when I say things have got better, I mean it. And that feels wonderful. You know, that feels like actually, you know, it's not been a straight journey. It's not been, mm-hmm. it's not been easy. Um, but I am doing better than I was this time last year. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm at home. I'm not in hospital. I spent a year out of hospital. I've got a job. I'm at uni. Um, yeah. I'm getting there um Mm -hmm. so yeah and I really appreciate your your honesty and I think that is probably why you do have a lot of followers is people people don't want to see you know the most curated version of you they want to see the good and the bad bits and you know you're saying that you know you, you struggled last year and that it isn't a straight line like you were saying like there are waves that you have to like ride out and the fact that you have shown that you can get through you know really horrible tough times and come out the other side with the experience and the fact that you can use that for good in your job and on social media like that's that's a huge thing that's you know really important um and the things that you do like um I really like your like um these like foodie finds that you do on Instagram like it's just like that that's can seem like quite a little thing but actually 
is really helpful to to see you kind of giving back in that way like yeah I feel like that's kind of... that's why people follow you <laughs> yeah I I love my little piece foodie finds thing <laughs> um for a number of reasons I think first off it really helps me to focus on actually am I enjoying the food rather than that panic about oh my gosh I'm eating yeah. actually sort of it, I don't know it gives me um not a reason to keep going but another uh, yeah another reason to keep going you know it's not all about mm-hmm. that but it also it helps it makes it a little bit more like okay let's you know let's see how this is and I also get a lot of messages from people who generally are autistic who say I really struggle with foods and I really struggle with variety and textures and your reviews help mm-hmm. and actually I'm kind of that that was a very unexpected thing that came out of it it's sort of when people are like you know I really I, I, I will always remember um a message I had from it was a mother in America and she was saying that her son is autistic and he really struggles with eating different types of food and things like that and um she saw obviously that I was trying different things and that I was heating them up and she said that she subsequently did for her son and actually it made a humongous difference and actually meant that he was really starting to manage to eat more and things like that and he he was he was autistic and um and that that's something that will always stick with me is actually it's not just I don't know it's not just about the eating disorder it's actually about for me it's about okay me working out what foods I can manage autism related as well um Mm -hmm. yeah and it is a bit of fun (laughs) yeah that's good it's good that you find the benefit but other people are also finding the benefit it's almost like it's almost like when you watch an unboxing on YouTube because from your videos you can like or like you can see you can kind of see the texture you can kind of see the consistency like it's almost helpful in that I kind of wish restaurants did that (laughs) like they could the the menu was way more interactive before you went so you could actually see (laughs) yeah I mean I think predictability for me is one of the most important parts of my eating disorder Mm. and actually in my job one of the things that um peace does is they have a peace menu which is an autism friendly menu and within that it's like detailed and you sometimes get a picture of exactly what it will look like you know so there's really that preparation for exactly what you're going to get and it's working with that that need for predictability and familiarity Mm -hmm. and um so it's kind of working I guess along those sort of lines where if I can sort of say this is this is what it tastes like this is what the texture's like this is and I also know that I'm quite fussy with taste so I will always say I think this is a preference thing but I just don't like this flavor kind of thing yeah um and and yeah if that helps someone else then yeah absolutely fantastic Mm, that's great there's so like it's such a nice thing to kind of dip in and out of as well like just to kind of follow along like I love it when people do like little mini like series of things yeah. like it makes you want to like like check in with them almost yeah. online <laughs> yeah yeah do you find like I know this is quite this is more of a like autistic question but do you find that you have any kind of special interests other than um kind of autism and anorexia I know like you you're looking to kind of go into research and I feel like a lot of autistic people have that where they have a special yeah. interest in like autism and other things as well. But do you find like, do you have any other kind of like hobbies and things you kind of do? Like you mentioned the like puzzle books and things like that. Yeah. I mean, theatre is the one that always 
jumps out to me. I was there yesterday. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I I absolutely love musical musical theatre, and I'm yeah could spend far too much time reading and researching <laughs> and talking and all that kind of stuff and I will try not mm-hmm. to on this um but yeah definitely musical theatre I have a bit of a thing about llamas I love I've always been a collector of things as well which I didn't realize was autism related until actually my assessment mm-hmm. um but when I was a kid I collected thousands and thousands and thousands of shells and oh. I just yeah and teddies I collected I stickers I've collected for about probably about eight years now when I've got different types of boxes for different types of stickers mm-hmm. um which again I kind of I didn't even notice was an autism thing until yeah. it came up in my assessment and they were like okay that could be okay um but yeah I also have a bit of I, I do love the weather so I've usually got my head in a weather book reading about cloud formations and all that kind of okay. stuff um so yeah I think I to be honest I think this is sort of where I find with autism and that's where I understood that the presentation of autism can be different for different people mm-hmm. I kind of I think typically it's like oh trains I'm like yes no I don't no I don't, I don't you know trains <laughs> are trains but someone shows me a sticker collection in a supermarket and you've got me completely <laughs> so yeah I do I absolutely love my puzzle books I actually have a whole bookshelf of puzzle books because I like to change the different ones that I try to do each I probably do about 10 puzzles a day and oh, I like wow. to change which type of book I get them from because I like to do to, they all have different language mm-hmm. um so yeah I'm just looking now at my puzzle book collection of my selection over there yeah it's all these things that you're like oh how did they not think of it if I was autistic sooner but, <laughs> but yeah no hmm. uh, it's nice that you have because I, I feel like some people feel like special interests are very niche but they're there's something that you can indulge in and there's something that I feel like in times of stress you can turn to and they're just really comforting and really nice to have definitely I feel like it's healthy in a way (laughs) yeah it is Uh, for me it restores balance in my life it restores my ability to enjoy things Mm -hmm. um so you know musical theater has been one of mine for probably a good solid five years now where it is if I'm feeling really low and actually I put on the soundtrack for six or Hamilton and I know absolutely every single word to every single song, <laughs> like it just, it takes me into a different place where actually I just focus on that. And I just, mm-hmm. it gives me a piece that is really difficult to explain. Um, it's kind of like when I'm finding the world really overwhelming and really confusing, it's like, okay, just, put on your put on your sick soundtrack and just you know do some painting or yeah that kind of stuff and that to be honest I think that's taken me a long time to find something that gave me that the kind of peace that I guess in the past has led me towards my eating disorder where I've mm-hmm. sort of been like you know I don't feel like I'm coping and therefore kind of I feel like I can at least do that like I feel like I can at least achieve something Mm -hmm. and now it's I don't know I think a massive part of my recovery has been about learning about myself and learning about what I enjoy and what I don't enjoy um and learning about my special interests and letting myself 
enjoy my special interests. Mm-hmm. I can't also not ask you, because you mentioned earlier that you have dogs. <laughs> do, those, <laughs> yeah. do those take up a little bit of your time in terms of like, you know, walking and spending time with them? They're so cute. Yeah, they do. They do. They are my world. So um, my yellow lab, he's he's mine, actually. I got him um, four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so our black dog is the family dog and then the yellow dog's mine. And um, And yeah, he both of them I just dogs are just so underrated yeah (laughs) even last night and I was I was feeling a little bit I was exhausted and and both of them just came and just laid on my lap I mean they're big dogs but they laid on my lap (laughs) and I I do think I do think they know I think they know when you sorry that's He's just rolled on his back having a really stressful morning. <laughs> oh, I need um, to be a dog. <laughs> I know, I know. But yeah, I love I love getting fresh air with them. I love the fact that they're always just loving. It makes yeah. you kind of, I think especially when you're autistic and people can be quite confusing. Dogs aren't. Yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> they're not. They just, you know, there's there's no, it's nothing you need to work out with dogs. <laughs> and they always look forward to seeing you they're yeah. like oh it's you again yeah yeah even if you've just gone out of the room and come back yeah. in again yeah they're like oh yay and you're like oh. yeah so no you can't oh. yeah I to be honest I love I love animals um mm-hmm. but yeah the dogs are wonderful mm-hmm. and I love how they think that they are lap sized like oh definitely yeah and he thinks he thinks he's small he's not. <laughs> but like yeah. I will sit on your lap <laughs> yeah I think when um I got my puppy he was obviously he was small and um yeah he he used to just love falling asleep in my arms and it was gorgeous Aww. at that size it was so cute and he got yeah. bigger and bigger and he still thought he could fall asleep in my arms <laughs> and um and yeah every evening I, I always sit on the floor with them and um I, I like sitting on the floor I don't I don't know why but I do and mm-hmm. um so I'll sit on the floor with them and he'll, he'll pull on lie on my lap and I'm like you're a big dog but then you you can't you can't say no no. it's almost like their size changes but their their mind doesn't like their yes. mindset doesn't yeah like I'm still small <laughs> yes yeah it's kind of the opposite sometimes I think people that got really my sister's got a really small dog and um we all say he's got big dog big dog syndrome because he always thinks yeah. he's a lot bigger than he is and then I've got my dog who's a big dog and he thinks he's a little a little thing <laughs> well they do bring so much joy don't they like I just yeah, yeah I love dogs too <laughs> yeah they're wonderful this always happens to me it's almost been an hour of chatting to you and it's gone really quickly um where can people follow you online where can people find you because I feel like we ought to mention that yeah so um my youtube is um fees fight back um mm-hmm. which yeah I've been doing for about a year on instagram I am finding underscore fee underscore um okay. and also Fiona Hollings as one mm-hmm. word and then on tiktok I think I'm just Fiona Hollings. I'll, I'll need to check. I'm not actually too sure. <laughs> I will link. Oh, I'll, I'll go through okay. them all in the show notes as well. So don't worry. Okay, I like to think if they you. typed in your name into TikTok, they probably find you. Hopefully. Yeah, but I certainly know that it's in my Instagram bio. So okay, so start there, everyone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for. Um, coming on and spending an hour of your um time with me it was really interesting um to hear a little bit 
you and your life right now. Thank you for having me. It's been really nice.